630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. All right, second half just underway in Ottawa. It is 14-0 for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. The Blue Jays lost today 7-1 to Tampa Bay. Red Sox all over the Mets. It's 10-1 in the fifth. And the Yankees trail the Rangers 3-2 in the sixth. Duncan Keith, uh, Duncan Keith will miss the uh, first week in a little bit of Oilers training camp while in quarantine after coming back from the United States. He's expected to be on the ice for the first time next Friday. First on-ice sessions for the rest of the Oilers start tomorrow. should also mention Ken Holland said today Chris Russell with a little bit of uh, an issue, so he's going to miss uh, probably a little bit here, maybe a couple of days at the start of camp. Chris Russell, defenseman, now wearing number six for the Edmonton Oilers with Kevin Lowe's number four going to be retired on November 5th. We will go to the hotline powered by certain teed professional grade building materials. Cam from the North side is on the line. Hi, Cam. Hi. Uh, you know, first time, long time. Um, so thanks for having me on. Yeah. It's Cam Moon, everybody. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing great. Boy, the uh, the Ottawa Red Blacks are having one heck of a time trying to move the ball tonight. Oh, well, we better beat them on Tuesday. I will just say that. Uh, I, well, I've, yeah. I've, said, I've said that a few times. Uh, I'm kind of watching. You know what I'm like? I got it with one eye here, so I haven't seen uh, a bunch. But Ottawa, I mean, even when Ottawa beat Edmonton, they didn't move the ball. They got a defensive touchdown, and Edmonton couldn't finish in that game. And I assume the weather has not helped yeah. either team. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, it's it's pouring rain there. Uh, Ottawa's hard pressed to get a first down, and Hamilton's been uh, you know better, but you know not a lot better. But they're still they're getting some points, and yeah, it's it's tough going. I, I had to put a baseball game on now because I, I I don't know if I can watch Ottawa do that anymore. All right. Uh, did you watch yeah. the baseball this afternoon? The, I know it was a tough day for the Blue Jays, and they tried to get a little bit of re- revenge against this dude that took the strategy card. What what happened here? Yeah, they, and I, I I didn't get to see it, uh, but I I understand that they uh, that they weren't very happy about yeah the card that came out of uh, Alejandro Kirk's uh, you know they have on the wristband last night. It's just basically showing what the the Jays are looking to do as far as pitching goes. Just kind of what the the game is, and and that got picked up, and, and the Jays weren't happy about it apparently. And and I guess the, a couple of guys got plunked or whatever. And, and yeah, so and and I, and I think they threw uh, Ryan Baraki out of the game or whatever. So I don't know. It was it was, it was a mess. Uh, hopefully the Jays, you know, get into the wild card, uh, win the wild card game, and then play Tampa Bay in the first round because it, it looks like that could be really exciting. Okay, well, apparently uh, I was gone for a second. Now I'm back, yeah? <laughs> well, good. I was wondering what happened. Well, I was I was talking, and then Kellen said, you're not there. So uh, oh. I, I am back now. I, I said I was connected to the station. Sorry about that, everybody. Sometimes we get a little uh, glitch here with the good old internet that we're broadcasting through. Uh, anyway, yeah, I don't think I, I don't I don't think I'd ever seen that before. A player taking, um, you know, a, a piece of, of strategy away from another player or that fell out of his that fell out of his equipment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's not something you'd you'd normally see. That's for sure. Um, 
Yeah, so Kiermaier, yeah, he got hit by the pitch then today. Um, I know he had said, I had read it on MLB.com earlier, that when he saw it on the ground last night, he thought maybe that was the card from his pocket. Because uh, a lot of times, you know, players uh, will have in their pocket kind of how they're going to set up to, to pitch to a, a guy. So that is going to influence the way the the defenders are going to be situated on the field. So there's um, – so initially he thought it was his, or so he said, and he just put it in his pocket and then realized it wasn't, and, and they figured that was that. And I know the, the managers had talked about it you know, before the game today, so – it looked like it was all good, and, and then it wasn't. So, yeah, that's uh, it'd be great if those two teams hooked up in the playoffs. I think it'd be wonderful. Okay, well, we'll try this again. Usually this doesn't happen that we play a commercial every time Cam Moon finishes a sentence. But I'm sorry for this, guys. <laughs> I, I've, I've been at home for about a year and a half, and uh, I think that's the first time that the I ever got kicked off the, the connection, and it happened twice in three minutes. So sorry about that. I guess we just got to laugh at it a little bit. What are we going to do, Mooner? But that's... Uh, that's our I goals. think it's me. I, it might be me. Is it me? <laughs> Is it me? You'd tell me if it was me, wouldn't you? If, no, you are a blessing, not a curse, my friend. So don't don't think that it's you. Starting to wonder. <laughs> All right, but sorry about that for Mooner and everybody uh, tuning in tonight. But I think maybe some issues with uh, with my computer. I should get rid of the VIC-20 and upgrade to a Commodore 64. That's uh, really the problem. Yeah, yeah, and get those old, uh, you know, the old floppy disks and... Remember the modem where the phone would actually sit right in that cradle? Yeah, something like that. All right. Okay. Well, if we get if Kellen, if we get knocked off again, just phone me and I'll do the rest of the, <laughs> I'll do the rest of the show over the phone, so this doesn't keep happening. Mooner uh, down at camp today. Look, we've gone over the Keith and Archibald news. No, uh, obviously we've covered those headlines. Hyman and Fogel came out today. Two potentially very important pieces for the Oilers up front because what have they wanted An- another top six guy to play with McDavid and or Dreisaitl and what have they wanted on the third line maybe a little bit more well not maybe a little bit more speed a little bit more net drive and a little bit more finish so fair to say those are the hopes for those gentlemen yeah I think so I mean Warren Fogel's going to be expected to win battles and and you know, provide a big, strong presence on likely the third line and to be able to chip in offensively somewhat, which he's done for sure. I mean, double-digit goals the last three years, and I, and I think he can do that. And I, that's a, a role that he's carved out with the Carolina Hurricanes, and I think it's a role he can uh, do very well with the Edmonton Oilers. So it, it gives Oilers, you know, depth in uh in their their bottom six and and who knows could work himself up higher in the lineup i I mean i'm not going to to limit him by in any way uh and zach hyman is a guy that's expected to be in the top six and to provide some offense which he's most certainly done but also provide provide that energy that he brings i that's the thing that i think i I haven't watched warren fogel play a lot so i I, uh, my opinion of him, I don't really have one yet until I get to see him. But Zach Hyman's a guy we got to watch quite a bit last year. And his pursuit of the puck, whether it be in the corner or uh, from the opposition, even in open ice, is is 
like he he gets after it and i i love watching that and that's what i initially is something that i was like wow like this guy he he's tough to deal with and and that's what he's gonna bring i was really impressed with his ability to to speak today was it was obvious but he showed like like genuine and i i guess he signed a long-term deal but he he just is genuinely fired up and excited to be a part of the Edmonton Oilers. And for a guy that you know, grew up in Toronto and played his entire NHL career in Toronto to, to come out to Edmonton, I mean, that's, I, I love to see it. Just, uh, it's, he was, he was pretty fired up about being here and, and that gives me uh, you know, great optimism going into the season for sure. Yeah, he has an interesting story, and he talked about it today. He has always lived in Toronto, except for when he played NCAA hockey at Michigan. Grew up in Toronto, played for the Maple Leafs, so a change for him. He mentioned his wife had never been to Edmonton at all, so when the Oilers became a very strong option for him, and basically when he knew it wasn't going to work out with the Leafs, he identified Edmonton as a place he'd like to play, and the Oilers identified him as a player they wanted. So it worked out quite well. But he, you know, he brought his wife out here. They looked at some neighborhoods. She, you know, got to know the community a little bit, and now, uh, and now here they are. So we'll see where it goes for him. Give me, uh, one, I'll ask you kind of a general one or two storylines. You know, we talked about Fogel and Hyman. So besides them, one or two storylines or players that you're going to kind of have an extra eye on as we move through camp here. Well, on the looking at, at the Oilers, you know, fourth line, and then whichever extra forwards are going to stay with the team and be on that that twenty three man roster. To me, that's really interesting to see if, if if all the work Kyle Turris has done in the summer. How's that helped him? Does that does that give him uh, you know kind of a step ahead of the others? What's Ryan McLeod going to look like after last year's extended time with the team? And, and he fit in pretty well and skated real well, just didn't put up any points. Well, can he can he take that next step? Uh, like, how does he fit in there? How's Tyler Benson look? Like, is he ready to, to now start in the National Hockey League? I, that's going to be interesting. And so, so kind of I'm lumping that all together as how the, the bottom five forwards are, are going to look. I'm trying to look the fourth line and then say if there's two extras. Uh, and then Evan Bouchard. I just can't wait to see Evan Bouchard uh, getting what we would believe to be uh, you know, more opportunity and, and how he does in that. I think he's going to do real well, and I want to see him do real well. So that part uh, I'm going to be keeping a real close eye on too. Yeah, Bouchard will be interesting to watch, and I think he's going to speak to the media after practice tomorrow morning because he was in the NHL last season. He was on the team. I don't think anybody, probably even Ken Holland and Dave Tippett included, saw him as much as they would have liked, but just the circumstances of the season kind of led to him you know, not playing a, a, a ton. Tyson Berry is going to be the right shot guy on the power play this season. Two, three years down the road, they want that guy to be Bouchard. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and I, I, I wouldn't doubt if he still gets some, some power play time anyway this year. Like, you know, not a lot. You'd think Tyson Berry get the the bulk of it, but uh, I think he'll still get some some looks there too. So that's good. And and I, I look forward just to seeing how he progresses over the start of the year, from where he is at the beginning to to where he's going to be 
you know, at Christmas and where he's going to be at the end. And I think that, uh, you know, there's a lot of things to be excited about his game. The fact that he he doesn't panic with the puck, that he's got that great shot. um, And he's just going to get uh, more opportunity. And he's able to to, get in 14 games last year, but also practicing at the NHL level the entire year, all that stuff. So, yeah, I think that part's, uh, going to be uh, very exciting. You uh, can't wait till you know when, once Duncan Keith gets on the ice, uh, see how he fits into the mix. All of that, like it's it's an exciting time to be alive, Reed. Like we got hockey starting. This is a beautiful thing. A preseason will be upon us in no time at all. It's oh, it's just it's a wonderful time of year, Reed. Wonderful. And you're doing the game Sunday, are you not? Are you going to Calgary? Or is that Jack? Yeah. No, that's you. Yeah, I'm. I Jack and I are going to... Well, this was the plan anyway. It, last I heard, we were going to split the preseason games. And I'm going to do the Calgary and Winnipeg ones. He's going to do the uh, Seattle and Vancouver. All right. Well, we look forward to that. Of course, I will see you at the rink tomorrow as we'll see what comes up story-wise for the Oilers. I'll let you get back to your sports viewing, Mooner. Thanks for checking in tonight. Sorry about the glitches earlier. Hey, no problem. Go Dodgers tonight, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. There we go. Cam Moon, play-by-play voice. He and Jack Michaels for Oilers games here on 630 Shed. Now 21-0, Hamilton taking it to Ottawa in the CFL. They are halfway through the third quarter. Quick timeout. It's Inside Sports on Shed. Evan James H. Brown on board as the title sponsor for Inside Sports. Trent Brown, the former member of the Double E football team, has joined us a few times throughout the year. Of course, he's with James H. Brown and was a really good player during the course of his CFL career. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Yeah, we are counting down to actual hockey on these airwaves again. Sunday night face-off show at 5.30. It'll be Cam and Bob with the call. Rob Brown and I will once again be... uh, bringing you overtime open line and the face-off show before the game. So, uh, yeah, as uh, as Mooner said, it's, it's an exciting time to be alive. And, uh, we, you know, I, I had somebody write in earlier and say, uh, less COVID talk, more sports talk. Uh, I hear you. The, you know, the COVID talk affects every part of life, and it's obviously affecting some storylines in the NHL and in the world of sports and how rosters are going to look. So we got to touch on that. But for the most part, I hope that this show brings you joy. If not joy, at least we'll get a drone to drop a canned ham on your lawn. How does that sound? Does Amazon, does it actually use drones to deliver packages? Does that actually happen, Kellen, or was that an urban myth? Uh, no, they do in some cities. I'm not sure about here or not. Uh, you know, text in if you've had a package delivered via drone in Edmonton, but uh, I know elsewhere they have. So, Well, we could deliver canned hams by drone. I don't see why we couldn't. Besides the fact that we don't own a drone. I mean, they're starting to get cheap enough, so. <laughs> <laughs> other other than that, everything, our plan is coming together. All right. <laughs> anyway, uh, Zach Hyman's plan is coming together. He wanted to play for the Edmonton Oilers. He's here. He uh, knows what it's like playing with high-end guys. He commented on that. Yeah, I feel like I'm going to get asked this a lot. <laughs> 
the Austin, uh, Connor, you know, Johnny. But obviously in my career, I've been fortunate to play with some really talented players. And, and what I've learned is that each player is really unique and, and they each have a, a very, very unique skill set. Um, Austin was a lot different than John and, and both of them are, are a lot different than Connor. Uh, and, and I've only played against Connor. I haven't had the chance to play with him in an actual game. We've, we've practiced here in the scrimmages and whatnot, but it's not, uh, it's not real hockey yet. Uh, and it's going to get real pretty soon. So I'm excited to kind of learn his tendencies and, and see uh, what it's like to be on his team. That is Zach Hyman. Can also tell you that former Edmonton Oiler Alex Chason, a professional tryout contract with the Vancouver Canucks. Chason, 30 years of age, last three seasons here in Edmonton, had 16 points, nine of them goals in uh, 45 regular season games last season. Also, Buffalo agreeing to a uh, contract with defenseman Rasmus Dahlin, three-year deal worth $18 million, 107 points in 197 games since the uh, Buffalo Savers took him first overall in 2018. Oh, remember this guy, Peter Shirelli, promoted to vice president of hockey operations with the St. Louis Blues, and Ken Hitchcock, former Oilers coach for that brief tenure a few years ago. He is back with the Blues, uh, joining them as a consultant. Pat Steinberg, my good buddy, up next, Inside Sports on Chet. minutes left in the third quarter Hamilton leading Ottawa 21 nothing Wednesday game in the CFL two games coming up on Friday Montreal at Toronto Saskatchewan at BC just three games this week week eight week nine will start on Tuesday Edmonton at Ottawa that game will be kissing country uh, 103.9 to broadcast that one with Morley and Dave and Blake and Eddie we will have an Oilers preseason game that night the second one of the Oilers preseason the first one is Saturday and that is the Edmonton Oilers at the Calgary Flames 5:30 face-off show seven o'clock for the drop of the puck uh, the Tuesday home game is against the Seattle Kraken well we were touching on some of the big Oilers storylines today Duncan Keith uh, quarantining after traveling to the United States and uh, he will be uh, fully vaccinated and available next Friday Josh Archibald, the uh, one unvaccinated oiler, and uh, as Ken Holland indicated today, it sounds like uh, the the number of unvaccinated players in the NHL is a single digit. We know that Tyler Bertuzzi is one of them. Now, this could affect, well, this will affect how uh, Josh Archibald will or will not be able to participate in several games throughout the course of the season. So we'll see how that plays out. Let's go to Calgary from Sportsnet 960, the host of the Flames broadcast, and my good friend Pat Steinberg is on the line. Good evening, Pat. How are you doing? I'm well, Reed. I have a, an important question to ask. Um, not only will the when, when will the Ottawa Red Blacks win another football game, or when will the Ottawa Red Blacks score another offensive point? But this is this is painful. It, 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 this is. This might be the worst CFL team in decades. They are awful. Well, I got to be careful about mocking them because you know who their one win is against this. I season. know, I know, I know. It's been a, it's been an up and down year for 
the newly rebranded Edmonton team. But that was that that was week one of a year with no preseason. I'm sorry, two and four. The the, the Ottawa Redblacks might as well might as well be one in nine hundred because that's the only win they're. I can't. What are they winning another game? It's, anyway, uh, let's let's talk let's talk hockey. Well, they'll win. I mean, they were on the verge of falling behind against the Elks, and they got a hundred and something yard interception return for a touchdown. Exactly, but it, it, it was enough to win. They 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 are not good. Uh, Hamilton's been a little up and down themselves, but they're clearly in control here. Okay, Pat, thanks for coming on the show. We have the uh, COVID vaccination angle here in Edmonton with Josh Archibald. I understand there is one concerning the Calgary Flames as well, though perhaps not with a player who was expected to uh, to be on their roster this season. Or was he? What's going on there? Well, so that's kind of what the assumption is. Uh, the Flames aren't saying. Um, they're, they're, they're deciding not to confirm one way or the other. It's uh, 2016 second-round pick Tyler Parsons, uh, who is a gold medalist with uh, Team USA at that World Juniors, that crazy shootout between Canada and the USA. He was the U.S. goaltender, former teammate of uh, Matthew Kachuk with the London Knights. And uh, he, what the Flames are saying is that he was not able to meet quarantine protocol rules to enter the country. And knowing Tyler Bertuzzi, Zach Ronaldo, Josh Archibald, so on and so forth, most people are assuming that he is not vaccinated. Flames aren't confirming, but I think that's a safe assumption when it comes to Parsons. Not the same as Archibald. Archibald is a pretty, as as you and anyone listening would well know, it's a pretty, you know, pretty useful player on this Oilers team. He plays a pretty important role. Tyler Parsons, his uh, his time in the organization is kind of teetering. They qualified him this year as a restricted free agent more so they could meet expansion exposure requirements than anything else so i don't know if this is going to spell the end of his time in calgary i kind of feel like his time in calgary was on you know was was kind of knocking on the door to be up anyways but yes he is the uh, player in calgary that uh, is not here and and not on the training camp roster for non-injury reasons is is how we'll put it all right so uh, a storyline to follow there uh, forgive me if I've missed something here. Do the Flames have a captain right now? Are they going to name one? What's going on? They do not have one right now. They. I asked uh, General Manager Brad Living that question today when he met the media, much like Ken Holland did in uh, in your city with the Oilers, and he said they're going to kind of play it by ear, see what evolves organically in training camp. Now, my belief is, my just my gut is that they will name a captain because that's what this, this Flames organization has kind of done in the past. They've always been an organization that seems to want to have somebody wearing that seat. You know, even in the 1990s and into the early 2000s, before Jerome McGinley was named captain, they seem to always have one. Like Bob Bugner or Todd Simpson or Craig Conroy or whoever you wanted to point to, there was always somebody wearing that captaincy, even if there wasn't like a, a franchise player or a natural guy that, that that's 100% the captain. So I, I think they will name a captain before they open the regular season at Rogers Place on October 16th. But it's kind of my belief that I think there's plenty to, or, or there's plenty of reason to wait, go a season without a captain. Because 
They went without a captain for 20 games when Jerome McGinley was traded to Pittsburgh in March or April of 2013. There was about 20 games between then and the end of the season. They didn't have a captain. The following season, they named Mark Giordano the captain, and he's been the captain for the better part of the last decade and now obviously is, is no longer with the team. But Mark Giordano was this obvious choice. He was the guy that just made perfect sense. It wasn't even close. Like this guy with his story, his work ethic, the way he goes about his business, all of it is like, oh, yeah, well, Mark Giordano, he's the natural next captain. Whereas I don't see anybody right now that you're like, well, that guy is the next guy. And we had a big conversation about this on our our show down here, Reed. It was like, okay, maybe you let it let it go a year and let it kind of present itself organically, whether it's Chris Tanev or Elias Lindholm or Matthew Kachuk or, or whoever you want to point to, Milan Lucic, any one of these guys, you could make an argument for right now and it would be an okay argument but it's not a convincing 100% he needs to be the captain argument whereas see what happens over 82 games maybe more this year and then you've got a little bit more evidence a little bit more to suggest that yes that guy should be the guy so as of right now they do not have a captain I think that's going to be a storyline here as we move through training camp and we'll see my my gut says they will have one by October 16th and we'll see if my gut ends up being proved right on that one all right so Pat both the Oilers and the Flames wound up with seasons that everybody wanted to go better uh, the Flames did not make the postseason. The Oilers did not win a postseason game despite uh, having made the playoffs. I, I think the storyline here in Edmonton is uh, they should once again be a pretty good regular season team. And then perhaps this core of players and uh, the work of Holland and Tippett will ultimately be judged by how they perform in the postseason. Mm-hmm. What, are th- what are the expectations or the hopes there in Calgary is it okay well you know they should have been in last year and they will get in or man oh man or are they good enough to get back in like I'm wondering kind of what the general vibe is there or what you think well it depends who you're talking to and it kind of depends on um like are you taught like it, it depends who you ask like if you ask organizationally and if you ask you know the GM front office coaching staff they believe that the team underachieved last year is a good team that just didn't get it done. So they believe that with very minimal change, I mean, we're talking about Giordano out, Coleman in, and then some interchangeable parts, new players, but some interchangeable parts in their bottom six forwards, bottom pairing defense. So they have not made any massive, massive changes in that regard. So the hope is that essentially running back the same group, specifically at forward, will yield better results and they'll be able to perform to expectation as opposed to below expectation which is what the organization believed happened last year and they may very well be right because i think we all believe the flames even even you when we talked we believe the flames and the oilers were going to be playoff teams last year turns out that's not the way it went now on the outside when it comes to fans in this city 
I think it's a different story. I, I think that there's a lot of uncertainty. I think that fans are kind of just like, I don't know what to expect this year. I think there's a lot of cynicism and there's a lot of skepticism. And, and I think there's a lot of people bracing themselves for a tough 82 games. The one saving grace the Flames have, and what I think a lot of Flames fans, even if they are slightly skeptical, believe is that this team might end up being a little bit better standings-wise than they would be in other divisions because the Pacific Division is pretty wide open right now. Like, if we all consider Vegas to be the number one team, and I think that's fair, and, and I think that there are plenty of people, and for good reason, who believe Edmonton will be one of the three playoff teams or potentially four playoff teams from the division. Okay, well, but then if, let's say that that's true. Let's say it's Vegas and Edmonton 1-2, well, then there, I don't see a whole lot separating Vancouver, especially if they sign their two big guns, uh, Vancouver, Seattle, Calgary. Um, you probably throw in, I, I think Los Angeles has taken some steps forward. So there's not a lot separating like four teams fighting for one or two other spots if, if we consider Edmonton one of the playoff teams. And, and I even think, you know, depending on the way things go for the Oilers, if it's a tough year in net, like, maybe they're a little bit further down in the pack. So I think that's kind of the saving grace for the Flames, and I think that's the, the saving grace a lot of Flames fans are falling back on is, you know, maybe this team can be competitive in a Pacific division that's kind of meh, and they can be helped out in that regard. We'll wait and see, but I can understand that because I certainly don't look at the Pacific division as a powerhouse division coming into the year, that's for sure. Well, I was on a podcast the other day and got asked about the division, and I, th- I said I do think it'll be Vegas and Edmonton in the first two slots, and I picked Calgary third, and you touched on it, goaltending. is It's, you know, it's almost everything. It's almost too much of hockey sometimes, yeah. right, when you look at the impact it can have. Markstrom last year was a 9.04 save percentage, and that's really his worst career save percentage in a season in which he's been a number one goalie. Like, I know he yeah. had... Okay, he had an 868, but he only played four games for Vancouver that that, that season. He had, a, he had a 901 for Florida. He only played 23 games. If he's up to a 912, like he was two years ago, or a 918, which he was in 1920, especially if he's a 918, that, that could change everything. That could be seven extra wins, you know? I mean, not from last year, but extrapolated over the 18 yeah. games. I mean, that, that could be a, a win or two a month, and that's often the difference between playoffs or not playoffs. Well, and, and the thing with Markstrom is is that, you know, he had the, – the 904 is not good. And the the year that he had as a whole was not good enough for the six-year, $36 million contract the Flames signed him to. Now, in saying that, if you break it down a little bit more than just the however many games he ended up playing, 43 or whatever it was, it's – it's actually kind of a tale of, of three seasons. It was an outstanding start where he was in the 920 range to start the season through his first 15 starts. Then he got in that collision with Tanner Pearson of the Canucks and was concussed in that collision. So after the concussion, played that one game in Edmonton where the Oilers put up six or seven goals and lit him up and then didn't play for about three weeks. Upon returning after those two or three weeks, he was significantly significantly worse than the first 15 games where people were talking about this guy's slam dunk signing and that lasted for about 
16, 17 starts. And in those 16, 17 starts, like we're talking about him in the, if I remember correctly from the numbers I crunched, like in the 888, like low 880 range in terms of his save percentage, which just stewarded his stats. And that was like it stewarded the team. It was a huge reason why they, they fell off. So when you have that, and then, and then he bounced back at the end, and his final 15 starts, he was back to like 918, 919. So he showed that he can be a top-end goaltender in stretches, but he had that awful middle. And if you point to the middle and say that's only injury-related, and if that ends up being correct, then the Flames probably have a pretty good goaltender this year. If it was something else, if, if he struggles with consistency this year, well, they're probably in trouble, and they, they, they've got a very unknown quantity behind Markstrom in in the, their new acquisition, Dan Vladar from Boston. And a lot of people think there's a lot of potential with this young man, but he's played like four or five NHL games in his life, so we don't know exactly what he is as a full-time NHLer. So I think Markstrom is one of the two, three biggest keys if it's me, my gut, I think he bounces back. I think Markstrom has a much better, much more consistent season than he did last year because I think he's a high-end goalie. I really do. But if he doesn't, there's no doubt about it. The Flames are, are going to be in, in significant trouble this year. All right, so just to clarify, it's out of all the intelligent things you said, this is what I follow up on. It's Vladar, not Vlader. So we can't go with Darth Vlader. It's Vladar. It's not Vlader. It's either oh. Vladar or Vladar. It's one of the two. Oh, that's too bad. I'm not 100% okay. sure yet on that one. I, <laughs> Vladar rolls off the tongue for me easy, but it's not Dan Blader, so it can't be Darth Vader. Oh, that's sad. Uh, before I let you go, we started with CFL. Let's end there. Calgary bounced back from the Labor Day loss with a win in Edmonton, and then uh, they weren't very good against Hamilton, including uh, BLM, who was pretty good in the second half against the Elks like who are the stamps like they, they've gone from me thinking oh there's the old Stampeders to me thinking are, are they one of the worst teams in the league now give me 40 seconds on them they are an enigma the biggest worry is Bo Levi Mitchell he does not look right I don't know if he's still injured I don't know if that is still hampering his performance but he looks uncomfortable he does not look like he trusts his receivers he does not look like he trusts his offensive line and he doesn't look like he is feeling comfortable in the scheme and if, if you're talking about your franchise player looking that below what he needs to be and what we're used to from him that's worrying defense has some really good things there are some promising performances, Josh Huff, Kamar Jordan uh, on offense, but it, it all comes down to Bo. He's got to be a whole lot closer to the MOP form that we've seen from him. And so far in four starts this year, it hasn't been there consistently enough. So that's it. That's what it all comes down to for me, Reed. is it, it, it's, is Bo going to get back to the Bo that we've seen in years past? All right. Hey, Pat, I always appreciate when you make time for old Wilkie here on Inside Sports. Enjoy training camp. I know we'll talk soon. I uh, I would like to uh, hang out in kissing country with you. We, uh, the radio station, I hope. The radio that's station. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's what yeah, I meant. Yeah, absolutely. No. <laughs> okay. That got that. It's good we got the clarity. That is uh, Pat Steinberg. He's going to kissing country. We're going to commercial on Inside Sports.
I want to let you know another cool thing here for the Edmonton Stingers, the two-time champions in the Canadian Elite Basketball League. They will represent Canada in the upcoming season of the Basketball Champions League Americas. 12 teams in total from across the Americas. It'll start in December and end in April. Now, the CEBL and the Stingers are going to give details on when and where Canada will host its group stage later in the year. Uh, Makes sense to me that should be in Edmonton, but I guess we'll find out for sure later on. Hey, thanks for listening tonight. Thanks to everybody who called in and texted. Always appreciate you. You heard from Cam Moon and Pat Steinberg. We had some comments from Ken Holland and Zach Hyman. And you miss anything, get uh, the latest on Duncan Keith and Josh Archibald and Alex Stalock on the website, 630Ched.com. Talk to you tomorrow, everybody. Take care. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.